1: Well, I'm excited to be here today. Uh, It is Good Friday. This is a day that we are celebrating God's plan of redemption of mankind, right? We We are here to celebrate. We're here to remember the journey of what God put in place Thousands, if not millions, of years ago, you know, he he put in place a plan before the foundations of the world were here. You know, he he put into place was it laminin, right? You know, laminin that has a reflective, you know, of the cross is at the at the core and the center of all living life, right? It was there, and it re, and it pointed us at the cross because God knew that the cross was coming one day, and he intricately he put together the plan of salvation before the foundations of the world were put into place, and as we come to. Together today, we're celebrating this day. We're celebrating the cross. We're celebrating this Passover weekend because it was a process that, that started. It was a process that started on Good Friday, which is today. It went through the weekend, and it comes up not only on, on Easter, which is Resurrection Day. We're going to hear about that on Sunday, but this is a journey of journeys. It was a process of processes. You know, how many of you have ever been through a process in life? You know, there, there's processes. It's like everywhere that you turn around, it's like there's a process. You know, there's there's a process of you know growing up. There's a process for education. There's a process for you know every everything that we go through. It's like how to how to cook. You know, is a process. You know, you got to put this in before you got to put this in, and if you don't do this right, you know, this doesn't turn out right. You know, there's there's processes everywhere, and you know, there's some people who really enjoy the process of life. You know, like my like Pastor Sherry over here, she kind of, you know, is one of those people for the most part, right, you know, enjoys a process. I'm one of those people, you know, I don't want anything to do with the process. I want to get from destination to destination. You know, it's kind of like, you know, when this thing finishes, I want to get to this thing over here. And I think that that's kind of one of the uniquenesses of of the different people, you know, the different personalities in life. You know, I think you can go to, you know, I think one of the ways to really bring that out is like going to an amusement park. You know, like I've been to Disney now the last, you know, the last few years. I've been with some friends, I've been with some family and it's like, you know, I'm, I'm one of those people, you know, it's like even walking from one side of the church to the other side of the church, you know, we start in the offices. And, you know, my wife and me, we here, and we're like, we're ready to go? Yeah, all right. So we start walking, and, you know, I think it's like five seconds that passes place, and I'm already ten strides ahead of, of, of Pastor Sherry over here. Okay. You know, I, so I don't know if it has something to do with the five-inch heels that she's wearing, but, but it's just that journey that she takes is just like at a, at a slower pace, and I'm like, I'm walking. So you get me in an amusement park, And it's a completely different journey now altogether, a different process, because I'm going destination. I finished this ride. And it's like, all right, we're getting out of this ride. We want to go over here. We want to go to this ride. And, you know, we start and, and, and 20 seconds passes. And I'm like already 100 feet in front of the rest of the party. And, you know, we get there. And then I'm like, oh, wait, I got to wait for people. So then I like, I stop. I wait. I, they finally get to me. And, you know, they're, of course, you know, looking at, oh, look at this flower bed over here. And look at these roses. Oh, and this, and they hear about, that. maybe we should get a Starbucks, you know. And, and so they're, you know, enjoying that, that walk, you know, that was the last 100 feet you know, nonetheless, you know, moseying along. And and they finally get to me, and then they, they get to me, and the next thing you know, what do they do? They're like, all right. We're stopping here now. Hey, you want to to take a restroom break? What do we want to do? And I'm like, guys, we want to get to this line and then we can have this conversation. I can watch the hundreds of people walking through the next gate over here to get to where I want to go. And so this is this is me, right? This is what my journey is like. And and you know, but I, I know I know there's many of you out there who are like me, you know, who are like, all right, we just want to get to where we're going, we want to get to that next destination but there's also a world full of journey, right? There's a world full of people who are smelling the roses along the way. Does that sound right? And this is part of you know, the, the way that things work, and I think you know, that we do need to appreciate the journey along the way, but even sometimes those longest journeys, you know, even people who like the journey, I think sometimes you know, they find that even a little overwhelming.
0: It's true. I'm. I am one of those people who likes mm-hmm. the journey. I like to smell the roses along the way. I like to walk slowly. I don't want to rush anywhere. Um, but you know, when you've been through a long season in your life, sometimes you're like, okay, I'm, I'm done with the process, and I'd like to move on at this point. And so we've been through a long process, uh, a crushing period over the last couple of years. And uh, but yet we still decided that we are going to embark on some renovations on our house. Yes. And so uh, so I was trying to prepare for it. I mean, trying to mentally prepare for it, get ready, okay, we're gonna do this, you know, I've got the house kind of prepped, as cleaned as much as I can, uh, moved everything out of the way as much as I can, and then uh, Pastor Brian takes the the little cutting knife and he makes the first cut into the drywall. And I literally had the most intense anxiety attack ever. <laughs> I just lost it. I, I was like, well, what are you doing? You're gonna get dust everywhere, and I just, full out meltdown. And uh, I was like, you know, before we do that, we have to cover the furniture and we have to do this and we have to move this here. And so there was a process in my mind of how things needed to be done before we got to the point of cutting the drywall and creating dust in the house. Right. But imagine God orchestrating his plan of Mm -hmm. salvation way back when, you know, it started before, uh, you know, the world began started before the fall of Lucifer, before the fall of man. And it came to a peak when Jesus arrived on the scene and he redeemed us through his work on the cross. Amen. Amen.
1: That's right. And you see, last Sunday was Palm Sunday. And, you know, it was great. It was a great day. It was talked about the triumphant... Entry of Jesus Christ into Jerusalem, and as he was riding in on a donkey that day, it says that the people came out and they were laying palm branches on the streetway in front of him, and they were singing and and, and worshiping, and they were and they were saying Hosanna, Hosanna, and they were worshiping God that day, and that was what happened. You know, a, a few days ago, as we you know even as we celebrated last week Palm Sunday, but then through the course of this week, things changed. Right, the next thing you know, they were they were plotting to kill Jesus Christ. And, and so this whole thing, this whole thing materialized, the plans switched over, and it leads us, you know, towards the end of the week where, where Christ is in this upper room and, he's, and he's, he's about to go into the garden of Gethsemane. He's about to enter into this next phase of the process, this next phase of the cross before the resurrection. And he's up in the upper room, and this is where our story is going to start picking up today.
0: So we're going to pick up in the book of Luke. We're going to go to chapter 22, and I'm going to read verse 39 to 46. It says, Coming out, he went to the Mount of Olives, as he was accustomed, and his disciples also followed him. When he came to the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw, and he knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Then an angel appeared to him from heaven Strengthening him and being in agony. He prayed more earnestly Then he he sweat his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground and he and when he rose up from prayer and had come to his disciples He found them sleeping from sorrow and he said to them. Why do you sleep? rise and pray lest you enter into temptation and uh, I, I want to jump over to Matthew, because Matthew even gets a little bit more specific about where he is in, uh, in the, when he was on the Mount of Olives. And it says Matthew 26:36, it says, "Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to, this, to the disciples, "Sit here while I go and pray over there."
1: Right. And I think this is really important, I think, to understand the location of this particular event and the timing of where this is. Because the Bible speaks of the location as being the Mount of Olives. And more specifically, even in a garden called Gethsemane, right? Now, that word Gethsemane actually comes from the root word gat, which means a place for pressing oil. And sheminin, which also means oils. And so, basically, this mountain is full of olive trees. You know, when we, when we went to Israel, we got to go there a few years ago. You know, there was, there was olive trees that are still on this mountain, the Mount of Olives. And some of them are like, like 900 years old, right? But when they went there, right, especially back in the day, that's why, you know, it's got this name, the Mount of Olives, right? is because there's olive trees everywhere and they're producing olives, right? And with the production of olives, right, they didn't just grow olives that day, but, but they made oil on the Mount of Oil, uh, sorry, on the Mount of Olives, right? And so, really what happens is, is that they did this, right, so that they would grow the trees, the olives would be produced, and then they would come and they would pluck the olives off, and then basically they would put them into this, like, stone basin, and as they put them in this stone basin, what would happen is, is this heavy stone, it would just come pop on top of them, and it would crush them. It would crush them right into a pulp, and as they're crushed into this pulp, it, it basically, what would happen is, is that the life of the olive was actually, like, squeezed right out of that olive, and that life that was inside the olive which is the oil right would then flow out of those olives right it'd go through kind of like a groove right and then in that groove and then it would be collected into jars right so why does this really matter why are we talking about the location today because I think when we look at Gethsemane we can look at it it was a place of crushing right it was a place where the olives got crushed but it's a place as in Christ's journey in this plan of redemption it was a place of crushing you see God very often uses and has a way he knows how to use when we have difficult situations and experiences that are in our lives. He has a way to use them and transform those things into, is, as a preparation for greater things in our lives. You know, suffering is often a result of crushing. And Christ was no, you know, he, he wasn't excluded from this process. I mean, if you take a look even at, at several different examples of Christ's journey. When he was 12, he was in the temple, right? And he's, he's teaching and speaking. And then the next thing you know, what did he do? He, he went into isolation. He disappeared for the next 18 years of his life, right? Then he finally comes back onto the scene. He comes out. He gets baptized. And then as soon as he gets baptized and the Holy Spirit comes, the next thing you know, he's led out to the the desert for 40 days now and 40 days he's being he, he's out there he's fasting he's there's a temptation process that occurs and and at the end of it there's a purpose right and even as there's always a purpose that God uses in this transformation and what happened is is that even as Christ walked out of the desert that day it says that he walked out endued with the power of the Holy Spirit and I think that, you know, we don't always understand and we always know, you know, what's going on when we look at that crushing process. You know, Christ being God, he knew what was happening as he walked into the garden of Gethsemane. He knew what lay before him. But we don't always know that. I mean, take a look at that, that olive, you know. That, like, put yourself in the place of the olive for just a moment, right? You know, he's like, I've grown up. I've, I've, I've been connected to the source. I've been connected to the vine here. You know, I, I'm growing on this tree. I'm healthy. You know what? I'm producing the fruit that I'm supposed to be producing in my life I'm ripe this day and you know what ends up happening all of a sudden the master comes along and he gets plucked off this tree and now he's thrown into the stone basin and he's crushed he's crushed into a pulp that day that olive doesn't know what's going on right and and I think that's often what we feel like sometimes you know where we get into a season of our lives where we're just like you know wondering God what's going on what did I do Was I not producing the life that you asked me to produce? Am I not growing? Am I not healthy? Is there not fruit here on my tree right now? And then now, all of a sudden, I'm like, I'm in this crushing season? What's going on? What's the purpose in this? And I think that as we as we look at this i think it's something that we need to remember that there's a refining process there's a there's a a process that we go through there's a purification right and as we go through that crushing and it comes out on the other side there's a higher level of potency that is created in that journey right because what happens is is that at the end of the pain the end of the frustration the end of the agony oil was produced oil right is now in the life right and now that oil is significantly more powerful than just the fruit of just what that olive was in itself
0: I think what we want to do here is as we're looking at the significance of Christ's journey, we need to really understand what oil represents in the Word of God. So um, everywhere where you see oil or anointing oil, um, it's represent, representations of the Holy Spirit, His presence, and His power in the Bible. Right When people were anointed with oil, the Spirit of God was resting upon them. And when Jesus went into the Garden of Gethsemane, God the Father was beginning to release the Holy Spirit into this world right it was the beginning it, you know after he died We know when he came back uh, the Holy Spirit when he died the Holy Spirit was able to come you know and the Holy Spirit The precious oil of God was squeezed out through God's work of redemption of Je- uh, of Jesus Christ on the cross right But when Jesus went into the garden that night He didn't go in there and be like I'm just gonna go preach another sermon I'm gonna go and you know Answer some questions and do whatever no when he went to the garden, he was in complete anguish. He was in distress, and he went there to meet God, and he did that through prayer. And I think that that's significant because it was the final step of the journey that needed to be done, right? He knew that this next, the next few days, the next part was going to be... Uh, extremely difficult Extremely difficult and he wouldn't be able to do it on his own as a human being But he knew that he needed God's strength. He knew that he needed God to do something Mm -hmm. in his life And uh, and the only way to get there was through prayer. I want to read in uh, Mark 14. I want to read verse 32 to 36. It says then they came to a place which was called uh, Gethsemane and he said to his disciples sit here while I pray And he took Peter, James, and John with him, and he began to be troubled and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch. And he went a little further, and he fell to the ground, and prayed that if it were possible that this hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what what you you will. will. And so here, you know, we see that Jesus state, you know, we can, we can see from this that he was deeply troubled. He was in great distress. And, uh, you know, we can even see what Jesus says, you know, even his own line. He says, my soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. Jesus knew what lay before him. He knew that he was going to give his life, that he was going to be beaten and bruised and, and um, crucified on a cross. For the greater purpose to redeem mankind Mm -hmm. he knew that he knew that he was going to go through the humiliation he knew that you know he was going to take on the sins of the world but you know what one of the greatest greatest distresses was the fact that he was going to have a separation from god in that that he was going to experience the full wrath of god when he died on the cross Mm -hmm. that day
1: you know, see, the gospel of Luke catch, captures even more of this moment where Christ was in Gethsemane. And it says here, Father, it says in Luke 22:42, it says, Father, if you were willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will but yours be done. And then an angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. You know, it says that an angel it says that Christ was in such anguish that an angel of the Lord came and ministered to him, and as he ministered to him, he strengthened him up. and as he strengthened him up that day, you know what he did? He had caused him to get back on his knees, he caused him to get back there where he needed to do serious battle on his knees in prayer. and so he went back into prayer, and he says that he even prayed even more earnestly than what he prayed before. And so his, he was in such anguish it says that he sweat drops of blood, right? And we learn and we know now that, you, said, you know, when we hit such extreme areas of stress, when we get such stress in our bodies, right, it's overwhelming that it says that our body actually can sweat out blood, right? And that's the anguish that Christ was in in this process, in this journey that he was in the part of in the midst of the Garden of Gethsemane, in the midst of this crushing as he started that journey towards the cross that day. And so it's, it's good, though, because it says here, it says that thankfully, Thankfully, he kept moving forward, and it, you know why he kept moving forward is because it was us. It was us that was on his mind. It says in Hebrews twelve two. it says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. He's, he endured the scorning, its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. It was, it was us that brought him back to his knees in prayer that day in the Garden of Gethsemane. It was for that empowerment to continue. And so I think it's really important to realize how much prayer played a part in this journey. And I think we should break, I want to break down kind of the prayer of this day uh, on and what he prayed in the Garden.
0: Yeah. So I want to break down in in the Mark 14 thing. There's four things that he states in there. Number one, he says, Abba, Father. And so when he calls God, Abba, Father, he's relating to him in a relational way. He's he's recognizing him as God, his father, right? And as a father, you know, um, fathers are there for their children. Fathers provide for their children. Fathers take care of their children, right? So he's showing that respect, that honor, and that intimacy that he has between him and his father. Mm-hmm. The second thing he says is everything is possible. Everything is possible for you. He, he was acknowledging the power of God. He knew that God had the power to say, nope, this isn't going to happen. We'll do something else, or I'm not going to do it. You know, like the power of God was amazing and um, And so he had he knew that God had the power. He was recognizing that God was all-powerful Then he says take this cup and and he gives this request this petition says please take this cup from me and He wanted another way and you know how many times we are praying to God like God take this away from me please let there be another way but I want to I kind of show something in this because this was really kind of interesting to me. I looked up in the, uh, in the concordance, take this cup from me, and it actually says, bear this alongside of me. And so when he prayed, take this cup from me, he's saying, bear this alongside of me. Don't leave me. Please don't let me be separated from you. He knew he needed the strength of the Father to get through this, but he knew that he needed to go through and endure this, endure this process. And the one thing that I wanna kinda of bring out here is that, you know, when sin entered into the world, uh, immediately a sacrifice had to happen. Uh, when Adam and Eve sinned, they a uh, God-sacrificed in an animal and they uh, were provided with uh, clothing, right? And so we know that, you know, in the Word of God, it says that there are no, there's no remission of sin without the shedding of blood. And so from that point forward, there had to be bloodshed of a perfect lamb in order to have remission for your sins. And so, um, like we said, this, pro- this plan, this process of redemption was put in place long before all of this ended up happening. But so he knew that at this point, he was going to have to take on the sins of the world. He knew he was going to have to be separated from God the Father. He knew he was going to have the full wrath of God on his life. And I can't even imagine how excruciating that would be, Mm -hmm. how tormenting that would be, how you would just be sweating drops of blood being like, please, please don't leave me. Please don't do this. But he goes on. There's a fourth part in this. He says... Yet not what I will, but what you will. This is an act of complete surrender to God the Father. He recognized in this moment that we were the reason why he would endure this he saw us before him he knew that there was a purpose he knew that there was a plan and he says you know what even though my natural body doesn't want to go through this even though i don't want to be separated from the father even though i don't want to endure all of the sins on me for you i will for you I will. And this was an act of complete submission to God the Father. It was an act of obedience, sacrifice, and surrender. Right? And Jesus honored God in all that He did in this moment. Mm-hmm.
1: Yes. You see, I-, I want you if there's if there's anything that you get out of this message you want to get this point, right? This is what I want you guys to make sure that you, you walk away with this day. Is that prayer? was the means that was used to complete this surrender. Okay? When Christ went into the garden that day, when he went into Gethsemane that day, he went in with the purpose of prayer. He went into the garden with prayer. It was through prayer that he was allowed, that he, he walked through and he ended up surrendering and in complete submission of his will, his mind, and his emotions over to the Father God. It was through prayer that he was empowered to be able to do that. Right? It was, it was this, this, this dying of our flesh, our surrender. It's always accomplished through prayer in our lives. And I want you to walk away with that revelation of it. Prayer allows us to walk through the surrender. Prayer is what allows us to be able to die to our flesh, pick up our cross, follow after Jesus Christ. It's prayer. Prayer allows us to surrender. Prayer allows us to be able to submit it. Prayer is what is that avenue that brings us through the situation. Jesus himself, the son of God, repeated this process three times in the garden. He didn't just go and pray once. He says that he went and he prayed, and then he came back, and then he went and he prayed again, and then he came back, and then he went and he prayed again. He did it three times to complete that surrendering process of his mind, his will, his emotions that day. And then Jesus also, he continues to give us insight into the word of God that day. He gives us more insight even into prayer, and I want to read this in Mark 14. 1337 as we look at mark fourteen thirty-seven, it says and then he came and he found them sleeping and he said to peter he said simon are you sleeping could he said could you not watch one hour he says watch and pray lest you enter into temptation it says the spirit indeed is willing but the flesh is weak mm-hmm. again he went and he prayed and he spoke the same words and when he returned he found them asleep again and for their eyes were heavy, and they did not know what to answer him. And then he came the third time and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? It is enough. The hour has come. Behold, the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. And I want to bring emphasis again to the watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The Spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak and really what God is talking about here is this a prayer, it awakens the spirit man. It awakens, and it's the empowerment, it's the endowment on the inside. It's that dunamis power right, that overcomes the weakness of our flesh and the temptations of it. right? Prayer, prayer is the thing that endures us. Prayer is that avenue that awakens the spirit man and allows us to die to the temptations of the flesh. We feed our, our spirit man when we are praying.
0: And i think there's there's a key in this too that i want you guys to get is that um in the garden the night of christ's betrayal right when he's praying there is an act of submission to god right i really want to bring this out because he acknowledged god as adonai his lord and his master and that he would submit his will to god's will right Mm -hmm. submission is something that's going to um, unleash Adonai in our life. It's going to unleash Jehovah in our life and and the power and the blessing that comes along with everything that God is, you know? And so submission, it's it's a big thing. That's a big word, submission. Mm -hmm. But he got there through prayer. He made his resolve through prayer. He submitted through prayer, amen? Amen. I want to uh, actually read a story. This is Pastor Brian's favorite story. Probably his favorite story in the Bible Um, John 18 I'm gonna read 1 to 11 it says when Jesus had spoken these words he went out with his disciples over the brook he drawn where there was a garden which he and his disciples entered and Judas who betrayed him also knew the place for Jesus often met there with his disciples then Judas having received a detachment of troops and officers from the chief priests and Pharisees came there with lanterns torches and weapons jesus therefore knowing all things that would come upon him he went forward and he said to them whom are you seeking and they answered him jesus of nazareth and jesus said to them i am he and judas who betrayed them also stood with them and now when he said to them i am he they drew back and they fell to the ground then he asked them again whom are you seeking and they said jesus of nazareth and jesus answered I have told you that I am he. Therefore, if you seek me, let these go their way, that, they may, that the saying might be fulfilled which he spoke. Of those whom you gave me, I have lost none. Then Simon Peter, having a sword, he drew it and he struck the high priest's servant and he cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. So Jesus said to Peter, put your sword into your sheath. Shall I not drink the cup which my father has given me?
1: You see, I wanna, you know, we're, we're, where we're at in the, in the in the story here is Jesus just finishes praying. He just goes through this process where he's, he's went back and forth and he's been three times in prayer and he just fully, and he's, he's now, he's in the submitted will of God, right? And all of a sudden now Judas, his betrayer comes, right? And as he comes, he comes with this a detachment, right? Of, of officers and military men, right? Which is, you know, probably somewhere in the, you know, around three to 600 men that came with him to arrest Jesus in the garden that day. Right? Right? And then there's an exchange of words that take place. Right? And there's like, like none other. This is, this is a powerful exchange of words. And what happens is it says these mighty, mighty words that Jesus spoke that day are actually the Greek words that say ego emi or amy, which is more accurately translated I am. Right? You see, when, when they heard it that day, they realized Right, that, that this was not, first of all, the first time that Christ had ever used these words. Right? He had used these to identify himself. They recognized what ego Amy meant. Right? These were the same words that were spoken long ago on Mount Herob, Right In Exodus 3.14, it says there, it says that God replied to Moses, I am who I am. It says that I say to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, Yahweh. Right? That God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, he has sent me to you. This is my eternal name. My name is to remember for all generations, and this is relevant here because it says the God, the name I am, or Yahweh, it means the self-existing one, right? It's the sacred name of God. Do you know what it means to be the self-existing one? It means that everything that is exists because of me, right? It means that I was there before time. I will be there, I was there in the beginning, I'm there in the end. There will never be something that exists outside of me. I'm the fullness of life itself, right? The I am is a powerful statement. It, is, it is, means that Yahweh, it's the full revelation of who God is when he speaks the words I am. You know, see Christ, he used these in a revelatory sense multiple times in his ministry. He talked about how he was the bread of life. He talked about how he was the light of the world. He talked about how he was the door. He talked about how he was a shepherd, how he was the way, the truth, the life. He talked about how he was a resurrection and the life. And each time that he did this, this was a revelation of who he was as the I am but none of them were as powerful as what took place in the garden that day there were two other examples even in the uh, in the book of John that talked about even in an independent sense where God talked about using this phrase I am it says in John eight fifty eight. it says verily verily I say unto you before Abraham was I am And then in John 13, 19, he said, Now I tell you before it come, that when it is come to pass, you may believe that I am he. And when you look at this word, even he, which is translated here and also where we're reading in context right now in John, it it uses this word he, but that word was inserted by the translators of of the King James Version of the Bible. So really what is accurately translated is meant to say the Greek just simply says I am right? And in both these cited texts, right, it says Jesus strongly, he boldly affirms that he is the great I am of the Old Testament. This is the same translation that we are seeing in the garden of Gethsemane this night. And so when Jesus responds, so they're coming to him and they say, you know, he says, who are you seeking? And they say, Jesus of Nazareth. And all of a sudden he responds and basically he says, I am. He all of a sudden, he reveals himself right, as I am, the self-existing one, Jehovah, the fullness of God all of a sudden is what's being revealed. And so they come with him. It says, you know, 300, 600 men, however many you want to describe that day, soldiers armed, and they're all here at the doorstep. They're all coming to arrest Jesus Christ. And all he does that day is he just says, I am. And you know what happens? And All of a sudden it's like, boom! Right? And it says in the next step, it says that they all fell over. They stumbled backwards and they fell to the ground at that moment. It was like this one little crack. All of a sudden, God's revelation. He just gives them a little sneak peek here. A little bit of a a revelation of the Holy Spirit. That anointing oil. Right? The revelation is starting to, to just creep out, right, of the Holy Spirit that day. And the fullness of God, just with the revelation of His name, it overpowers them. It overpowered every moment of that moment, right? And then they come. And then Christ, he says that day, he goes, listen, he goes, I am not, I'm not going to be controlled by man this day. I'm not going to come and, and be, you know, conquered by a detachment of men. I am God. And he reveals that simply with his name, I am. I am the self-existing one. But then he remembered once again, right? He had a plan. There was a purpose that God the Father had. He remembered us that day. And then he picked up the cup that God had for him, that God the Father had, and he drank from that cup and he surrendered to them this day. He willingly went to the cross. He submitted to the cross. He wasn't taken to the cross by force. He surrendered to it. And he surrendered because he was surrendered in his spirit to God the Father. And it all started because he surrendered through prayer. It was a process that he went through. And it was through that process that the revelation, right? Jehovah was revealed in his life, right? The anointing, the dunamis power of the Holy Spirit that was being released into the world at this time, right? It all came out through the submission of god which started in prayer in the garden of gethsemane that day
0: amazing i i just i can't even imagine like I don't know, you know, like anything that we say, anything that we read, anything that we talk about doesn't even do it justice what Christ did for us on the cross, what he accomplished for us. We are here today. We are here in this moment because of what he did, because of him. Mm -hmm. We would be dying, dead and dying if it wasn't for him. But He came so that we could have life and that we could have it more abundantly. Mm -hmm. And you know, sometimes when we feel like we're in these crushing moments, and we feel like we're in these seasons of crushing in our lives, and we just don't understand what is happening, and we're saying, God, what is going on? God, where are you? God, what is happening? And the thing to understand is that, you know what? If you submit your will to God, if you say not my will, but your will, man can do whatever they want to you, but you are letting God's perfect will permeate in your life and regardless of whatever the enemy has uh, meant for evil against you, God will turn around for good in your life Mm -hmm. in Jesus' name. Now there's four things we're gonna wind down, I know we're getting to the end of uh, of this, but there's four things that I really want to just, I want you guys to lay hold of in this. If there's nothing else that you get from this, I want you to get this. I want you to understand, first of all, first and foremost, that Jesus Christ was the perfect lamb that died for our sins. It was his shedding of blood that washed us white as snow. Amen? Amen. All right. So submission to God unleashes the anointing oil of the Holy Spirit in our lives and the fullness of Yahweh. Mm -hmm. You know, like I said, when we're constantly questioning God, where's your power? You know, in today's uh, culture, in today's world, we're we haven't even seen god's power unleashed like they used to have experienced back in in the bible times but there is going to come a time where god's power is going to rise up his power is going to permeate in this place and we are going to begin to see miracles happen we are going to begin to see people healed miraculously that are that's Amen. unexplainable that you know you can't give any credit to anything or anybody except for the power of jesus christ we are going to begin to see people healed. We're going to begin to see lame people walking. We're going to begin to see people, deaf people hearing and blind people seeing. We're going to begin to see people rising up, picking up their cross, running, people who couldn't run before, people now who are getting up and that they are able to live life to their fullest because of the the greatness of what Christ accomplished on the cross. And we can experience that in our life by submitting to God, our will to his will. Mm -hmm. The second thing is that prayer is the means by which we can totally surrender to our abba father and adonai the lord and savior of our life it is the tool that allows us to die to our flesh i don't know about you but i know that my flesh many times it speaks loudly and it tells me i don't want to do this and i don't want to do that but i know that in my spirit Mm
1: -hmm.
0: when i pray that God strengthens me. And, and in, uh, when Jesus was, uh, you know, when the ministering angels came to minister to Jesus, and it says that um, it, they streng- it strengthened him, that word strengthened actually means invigorated him. And so, you know, when you, when you feel like you, you have a lack of motivation, your flesh is like, nah, 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 I don't want this, I don't want that, the angels can come and minister to you. By prayer, you can be encouraged, you can, be, you can rise up in your spirit, and you can be invigorated to continue on with the high call that God has called you to do. The third thing, in the crushing place, God transforms us, and he refines us into another level of blessing and purpose and power. We are all here for a purpose. We all have a divine purpose, something that we need to accomplish, something that God deposited on the inside of each and every one of us that we need to do for his kingdom. And if we endure through the crushing place, how amazing that would be in the end. Mm -hmm. Amen? The fourth thing, God always has Has a a plan. He always has a purpose. And he always fulfills what he's spoken. It was true of Jesus and it's true of you today, he's always a man of his word, Mm -hmm. amen?
1: Amen. You know, as we are closing up today, you know, as Pastor Sherry talked about earlier, it talked about how as Christ came, he was a perfect Lamb of God, right? He had to come into the world without the shedding of blood. It says that there's no forgiveness of sins. And as he came into this world and as he went through the process where he died and he submitted to, to, the, to the will of God the Father, it says that, you know, he, he was led to the slaughter that day, right? And just as, you know, the original... Exodus, right, you know, where you know the lambs were, were slain and they were put over the doorpost, right? You know, there's this, the blood of Jesus Christ is so precious to us. It talks about, you know, the, the power of God that is released, you know, through the blood of Jesus Christ. It says that it, it, it's the forgiveness of our sins. It doesn't just cover the, our sins anymore, but it washes them away right? The blood of Jesus Christ was shed that day. He was beaten for us. He was bruised for us. He was, he he went through a process that was like no other process. And as Sherry mentioned, Pastor Sherry mentioned earlier, you know, he went through and received the fullness of the wrath of God for us so that we could be restored back into a right standing, so that we could have a relationship back with God the Father, And so he went to the cross this day right he went there this good friday right he went and he accomplished he went through the redemption he was fulfilling the redemptive work of the cross this day right it was all part of god's plan it's been in place for for millions and millions of years and he he goes through this process and it leads him to the cross and there's the place of surrender is at the cross the place of victory is at the cross right and and it's a place that God went to that day. And if you're in your homes at this moment, we're just gonna, we're gonna remember as Christ was in, you know, as he, right before he went, it says that he was in the upper room and he was having his last supper with his disciples. And as they were there together, he, he, took, he took wine and he took, you know, grape juice as you got in your home, and he took bread and he took it and he says, you know, take this. And we, we partake in what we call communion as a reminder Of what christ did for us at calvary that day right it talked about how his body was broken for us right and we take it and that's why we break the bread even when we when we take communion we break it and as we break the bread it reminds us that christ's body was broken he was beaten he was bruised for us so that we could be made whole right and i just thank you father god that you that day father that at the cross Lord, that we remember Good Friday, Lord Jesus, that it was a good day, that, Father God, it was a day, that, Father, that you... You went to the cross, and Father, that you acted as our Jehovah Goel that day, that you acted as our Redeemer, Lord Jesus, that you brought justice, Father God, that day, and I thank you, Lord, that you were anointed, Father God, to be able to endure the cross. I thank you, Father, that you were thinking of us that day. I thank you, Lord God, that as you poured out your blood, that, Father God, that the precious blood of Jesus Christ, that it was there for the forgiveness of our sins, and we remember this day, Lord Jesus, that your body was broken. And as we partake this day, remember what Christ did for us at the cross.
0: Hallelujah. Father, I thank you, Lord, for the cup. We thank you, Father, for what you've done on the cross for us, Father. That it was us that was before your eyes. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you endured the cross, that you endured the grief, that you endured the the striking, the beating, the humiliation, the shame that we didn't have to suffer. Father, I thank you for the life that you've given us. I thank you for your blood that was shed. May we never take it for granted, God. May we never take it for granted or or make it of no value. But I thank you, Father, that you will have the place of honor in our hearts this day that we will place you as Adonai in our lives, that you will be the Lord of our life, that you will be the one who guides us and leads us. Mm -hmm. I thank you, Father, for this cup. I thank you for what you've done for us. And I thank you for the cleansing power of the blood of Jesus, in Jesus' name.
1: As we close out today, I just want to remind you of this. God started a plan of redemption long, long ago. He went through the cross, and on this Good Friday, he completed the portion of the process of the cross. But God's journey didn't end at the cross. He went into the grave and continued the fight. There was a resurrection. And you're going to have to come back on Sunday and hear Pastor RJ and Pastor Mary talk about the resurrection. Because on Easter, there's another power that was released into the earth that day with our Savior. And the the story didn't, you know, just end there. It continued into the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit was fully released to us right? The journey is continuing, and I just want to encourage you this day, right? You know, remember this weekend. Remember God was the Passover lamb this weekend. This is a time of celebration. This is a time that God is here with us. He is Jehovah. Um, uh, He is Jehovah Shama, the Lord who is there. He's Emmanuel, the God who is with us, and He is with us this weekend as we celebrate him. So I'm just encouraged this day. I just want you guys to have a blessed day. My wife and me, we're just encouraging you guys. Just celebrate, celebrate who Jesus is. Celebrate, you know, the freedom of who we are in Christ Jesus, right? As, we, as you go this day, enjoy enjoy this Easter weekend. You know, if you haven't had a chance, uh, you know, I also just want to encourage you guys. I said, you know, you always have opportunity. You can give online. You can sow into to Windsor Christian Fellowship. It's good ground. It's good seed. You guys can go to our websites and you can always you know, click and give donations as well. But I just want to encourage you guys, right? Have a great day where you guys can be blessed. We love you. We appreciate you. And we will see you guys again soon.
0: Have a great Easter.